Thank you for joining us at the First Baptist Church of Coleraine, Massachusetts, as Pastor Jim Rennie continues to faithfully challenge and encourage us in the Word. And it is our prayer that this message will encourage the believer and bring the unbeliever closer to a saving knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, good morning and welcome to the First Baptist Church. Again, we're so thankful wherever you are, listening, watching, tuning in. We've been covering started to cover um, the second letter by the Apostle Paul to Timothy. We've covered chapter 1. Now we're going to read 13 verses of chapter 2. So just follow along with me. 2 Timothy chapter 2. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. Endure hardship with us like a good soldier of Christ Jesus no one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. He wants to please his commanding officer. Similarly, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not receive the victor's crown unless he competes according to the rules. And the hard-working farmer must be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I'm saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all this. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel, for which I am suffering, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Therefore, I endure everything. For the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Here is a trustworthy saying. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will not also disown us. If we are faithless, he will remain faithful, for he cannot disown himself. Amen. God give us understanding this morning of his word. Let's have a word of prayer then. Lord, we thank you for your word. There's so much in these 13 verses. And we're going to do our best to try to cover those. And uh, it's not just relevant for Timothy, it's relevant for each and every one of us here this morning and those believers that are out there listening and watching. So may we be in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. May we receive your word and be taught and to grow in grace and be built up in the faith to love you more and to serve you better. 
in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Well, you've got a handout there, those that are here. It's not just for the kids, it's also for the big kids and the adults. Stand firm and be faithful. That is the title of today's message. Stand firm and be faithful. And that's what God expects us to do. Amen? To stand firm and be faithful. Now, let me start by asking you a question. If you were in a foreign jail, you've been accused, you've ended up in jail, falsely accused, and abandoned, you've been left alone, no one comes to visit you, maybe one person, and even he doesn't come visit you anymore, and you're facing execution. And the only possessions that you have, and you're chained up in this dungeon, the only possessions that you have is a pen and paper. Who would you write to? And what would you write about? Think about that. Well, the Apostle Paul, they didn't have pens back in those days. They had something equipment like quills and parchment. And he wrote to Pastor Timothy, young Pastor Timothy in Ephesus, evidently. They had uh, ways and means of getting that letter to him. Let's learn about what Paul wrote to young Pastor Timothy. It's just as relevant today as it was when it was first written. Like I said, this is the second letter the Apostle Paul wrote from a dungeon in Rome while facing execution due to his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And not only his faith, sharing that faith, that gospel message that he preached so other people in different parts of the world can hear the gospel and can turn from their sins to the Saviour and be saved. That's the whole purpose. And he was willing to do that. And he did suffer. But he knew where he was going when he died. So he had that comfort and he had the grace of God that would never leave him. So do we. And he says, referring to grace in verse 1 to Timothy, you therefore my son. So he, Timothy was like a son to Paul. And uh, Paul was like a father to Timothy. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And that's the only way you can receive God's grace through receiving Jesus Christ. The apostle loved Timothy, reminds him about God's grace received only through his son, Jesus Christ. As you know, you've been here long enough, you know what grace means. But do we appropriate it? on a daily basis. It's something we take, tend to take for granted, that we have God's grace available to us every single day. Grace is the unearned, undeserved favor of God that enables us not only to be saved by faith, but also to be strengthened daily by his power who lives in us. Verses 2 through 7, Paul uses three secular professions as examples 
to be a committed Christian. You've got Christians, but some are not as committed as others. What are these three different secular professions? Number one, a soldier. Soldier. Number two, an athlete. And number three, a farmer. A soldier always obeys his commanding officer. Amen? Who is the Christian's commanding officer? Jesus. He is a commander-in-chief. And we should always obey. He said, if you love me, you'll what? Obey my commandments. All right? So there's number one. We're soldiers. We're in the Lord's army. All right? Number two, an athlete. An athlete has to compete. He has to discipline himself or herself to win the prize, whether it's gold, silver, or bronze. Amen? We have to compete. We have to discipline ourselves, don't we? To win our eternal rewards when we get to heaven. Little things that you do for the body of Christ, the little things you do for the church, it may seem insignificant to you, but in God's eyes, you'll receive a reward. Linda playing the piano, Janet playing the organ, our friends, somebody who makes the coffee. Anything, anything that you do, God's keeping account. Some things you can't do because of physical ailments and your physical condition, but there's other things that you can do. You can pray. You can give. Amen? And we know that you do these things. I'm very grateful that you do. But you're not trying to please me. You're trying to please the Lord. And you'll receive those rewards when you get to heaven. So, we're competing. We have to discipline ourselves. Also, a farmer. What does he do? Thankfully, I'm not a farmer. Because I, you know, I'm not, I'm, I like to sleep in a bit if I can. Now I'm retired from secular employment. When I, when I drove a bus, I used to get up pretty early. I don't have to do that anymore. But farmers, they, they work around the clock. Right, Teresa? And the farmer's wife does too. Work around the clock. I don't know how they do it. Do they ever get any sleep? The farmer works diligently day and night to see what? the fruit of his labor. The fruit of his labor, right? We have to work diligently for the Lord to see the fruit of our labor. Amen? What, what does a farmer do? In the old days, they'd do it by hand. What was it? Sow the seeds so the seeds could grow, germinate and see the evidence of the work that he put in. Well, we are to sow the seeds of the gospel. How do we do that? There's a bunch of tracks out there still waiting for people to pick up. Wherever you go, you could put one in the clinic or in, in your workplace or, or give it to somebody at the gas station or do anything. Were people willing to do it? We were. We just... On one of our little trips, we went away. We stopped at a gas station, and Denise went in. 
to buy something. I don't know what it was. Food, okay. And I was pumping the gas, and she asked the attendant, the lady in there that was working, how are you doing? She said, oh, not, not very well. Didn't know the circumstances. She was able to say an encouraging word. I just happened to have one of those tracks in my back pocket. That was meant for that lady. I said, give, she came out, I said, go and give her that. And she went in and gave it to her, and she received it gladly. So you never know. That's sowing the seeds. Amen? Sow the seeds like a good farmer should. The seeds of the gospel. And watch, see the evidence. See it grow. Verse 8. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, descended of David, according to my gospel. If you look at the... Um, in Luke 3 and Matthew 1, it talks about the um, lineage of David. They never mention any of the wives in this, but we know that um, Mary's bloodline goes way back to King David through one of David's sons, Nathan. Take my word for it. Paul says, my gospel. Was it his gospel? He didn't preach another gospel from the one that Jesus preached or the one that the apostles preached or the one that I preach. It's the same gospel. It's no different. It hasn't changed and it never will change. And Paul says, if anyone preaches another gospel, let them be cursed. All right? So that's serious stuff. There's only one gospel, sometimes known as the gospel of Christ or the gospel of God or the gospel of the kingdom. It's the same gospel. Gospel message hasn't changed for the last 2,000 years. And it's only through faith, believing the word of God, that people can be saved from their sins through hearing and believing the gospel. What is the gospel? Do I need to say it again? Probably not, but I will. Might be somebody tuning in for the first time. Gospel. Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary. Suffered and died on a cross. Was buried. Rose again from the dead. That's the gospel. Believe it and you shall be saved. And Paul preached that. His only crime was preaching the gospel. And he says in verse 9, for which I suffer hardship and even imprisoned as a criminal. He preached the gospel. He didn't preach the old of keeping of the old covenant law. He didn't preach that, which he knew very well, being an ex-Pharisee, very religious. What he did, he dared to tell people about the new covenant established by God's grace through Jesus Christ's sacrifice on the cross. That's the new covenant. He says, I might be in prison, but the word of God's not in prison. It's not bound. Even though Paul was in jail and able to preach, I'm sure he preached to his jailer though, and the soldiers that were there, the good news wasn't bound. It was still being preached by faithful believers. In fact, many, if not millions of people, came to faith in Jesus Christ 
in the Roman Empire. Because we know there was thousands upon thousands of them that died for their faith in Christ. You read Fox's Book of Martyrs, talks about that. So even though he was bound, the gospel was not bound. It was still going forth. So there's 13 verses we're going to cover today. We're going to get to verse 10 now. He was willing to suffer. He says, for this reason I endure all things. Did he like it? No. He went through many trials, hardships, and pain, so that people from other nations might have the opportunity to hear the gospel message. He was doing his part to fulfill the Great Commission. We are doing our part. This small, well, it's not so small, this church, this building, this group of people in the hills of Coleraine are doing their part to fulfill the Great Commission. Amen? So people can be saved. This is why we support missionaries. And I think that's one of the reasons that God blesses us as a church. Because who was the first missionary? Jesus, really. Jesus, the greatest of all. And Paul was willing to suffer, and he did. For this reason I endure all things. For the sake of those who are chosen so that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus and with it eternal glory. Those who are chosen are the elect. Those that are saved become part of the elect, the body of Christ. You know, Jesus himself says, many are called, but few are chosen. You know, the majority of people are on the broad road that leads to destruction. And few people are on the narrow road, which leads to eternal life. Many are called, Jesus says, but few are chosen. Those of you that are saved, you are believers, you are part of the elect. You are chosen. You are saved. God calls out many people through the preaching of the gospel. Many people, people that you know, you may have shared the gospel with them. You talked about Jesus. They've heard the gospel. They've got the call, but for one reason or another, they don't respond to the message. They don't respond to the call when they hear it, okay? So that's when the willpower comes in, a choice. God does the initial calling. Those that hear the call and respond to the call of the gospel by faith and believe in their hearts what Jesus did for them on the cross are born again and become part of the elect. So we are special. We are a peculiar people, as Peter says. Some more peculiar than others, including me. I'll just cover myself on that one. Let's have a look what Peter has to say, not, not uh, Berenier. How are you doing, my son? First Peter 1, 1 and 2. 
Peter, an apostle of Christ Jesus, to the pilgrims of the dispersion of Pontus, blah, 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 blah. Number two, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in sanctification of the Spirit for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus. See, you are elect. If you save, you're elect. You're special. You are peculiar. So other people can attest to that. All right, let's have a look at 1 Peter chapter 2, 9 and 10. This is us. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. God that does the calling. Who once, who once, past tense, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Thank God, because of the mercy of God. Amen. Thank God. We should praise him every day. We don't have to spend eternity in hell because of what Jesus did on that cross. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, the elect. How does that make you feel? It should be something to praise God about, right? You know, walking around, this, that, and the other. Come on. Let's remember where we stand. Verse 11. Oh, by the way, the original word for salvation means deliverance and rescue. We've been rescued. The great deliverer, the Lord Jesus Christ, rescued us from the bondage of Satan. We were his slaves. We didn't even know it. We were deceived by the God of this world. He protects us by his power. And those who are in Christ are eternally set free from the condemnation of hell. We don't have to go there. Thank God. We deserve it. We deserve to. But Jesus paid the price so we wouldn't have to. Three more verses. It is a trustworthy statement. For if we died with him, we will also live with him. This is what makes Christianity different from all the religions of the world. Because all the other religions in the world are based on works and what they do in order to gain favor with God while they're still alive because they don't know where they're going when they die. None of them have got the assurance of eternal life, except some Muslims who believe the only way they can go into paradise is by becoming a martyr and sacrificing themselves. Like those people that did that flew into the buildings in New York. 
they think they were going to go directly into the presence of God. They were totally deceived. And they were controlled by the God of this world. The word of God declares you died with Christ. This is referring to Christians. You died with Christ. That's difficult to understand. Before we were saved, we were dead in trespasses and sins. We were dead to God. We were alive in this mortal body, but our soul was dead to God. And then, once we received Jesus as our Savior, we came alive. We were no longer dead spiritually. We came alive spiritually when we believed in our hearts that Jesus died on the cross for us. It was then our spiritual life began. When we came alive to God and our old sinful soul was put to death, and we were regenerated. We were born again. We were enthused by the Spirit of God and made alive. That's the best way I can describe it. But our old self was put to death. We died with Christ on the cross. Our old self, our old man, our old sinful self, even though we do sin in this mortal body. But we are seated with Christ in the heavenlies. This is deep stuff. I'm trying my best to try to explain it. It's no use trying to crucify your old sinful self by your own willpower. We have to look to Jesus daily. Draw upon his grace to help us live Christ and die to self. We've still got that old nature living in us as well as we've got the new nature. Thankfully, God doesn't see the old unregenerate sinner we used to be. We're aware of our foibles and our shortcomings and our sinfulness. We're aware of that, but God doesn't see us that way. Neither should we. If we sin, then we should confess that sin, and then God forgets that sin, he forgives us of that sin, and we move on. Thankfully, don't continue to live that way. God sees Christ in us. That old sinner that we used to be was crucified on the cross with Christ and no longer lives. All right, that's what he's saying. Listen to Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. And this is deep stuff that we're getting into today. We're into the meat of the word today. All right, some of you not being able to take the meat, you know, you're still drinking the milk. Well, let's hear what Paul has to say. Galatians chapter 2, 20. And this applies to us as well. You could say, put your name there. When I say I, put your name there. I, Jim, whoever, I have been crucified with Christ 
And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So having received Jesus as our Saviour, we become a new creation. You are a new creation. 1 Corinthians 5.17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Born again, like a newborn baby. Let's carry on. And we will also live with him. So we died with Christ so that we might live with him. We might also live his resurrected life through us. He says, I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. He's talking about the old man. The old, the old Saul, that was his name before he became Paul. He's dead. He's gone. He died with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. So, because of believing faith in Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, that's the gospel, believers have been raised to new life. And we've been given a new nature. Right? Let's yield to the new nature. You're not a dead in your sins sinner anymore. You were. You're not a dead in your sins sinner. But you're a living saint. Let's all act like it. <laughs> Easier said than done. But then you've got the grace of God. And the Holy Spirit that lives in us to help us. Amen. Two more verses. If we endure, we will also reign with him. The new life we have in Christ is one of endurance. It takes some effort. But we don't have to endure to earn this new life. For everything comes to us by the grace of God. We'll enjoy, endure, not enjoy, people that mock us. We endure reproach and suffering as believers. Why? Because Jesus endured that suffering on the cross. And he didn't deserve it. We do. But he didn't. And he despised the shame. He despised the shame. And we will also reign with him. Because of our old man, the, the dead soul, died with Christ on the cross. He now lives in us. And because he is in us, and we are in him, we also reign with him now. 
We reign with him, not just in the future, but now. Romans 8, 37. In all things, we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who loved us. Not just conquerors, we're more than conquerors. Now, many Christians are looking forward, I should say most of us, are looking to a future life in heaven with Christ, which is far better. That's okay. But some people are not ruling and reigning with him here and now. Some of us, and many of us, have been taught that they've never been taught that they can reign. They can rule and reign now. They've been told that this life is one big test and maybe, if they're careful enough, they'll get a crown at the end of it. But the abundant life that Jesus Christ promises can be experienced now if daily we can trust him, appropriate his grace every single day, and then we'll experience the abundant life that he promises, not just wait for it when we get to heaven. We can have it now. We do have it now. We just have to believe it and appropriate it and let him live his life through us. So let me close. That passage we just read, it confirms our union with Christ. Believers have been crucified with Christ. We are buried with Christ. We are raised with Christ in order to live with Christ and reign with Christ. But he says, Paul, but if we deny him, he will also deny us. But really, he's not talking about believers here. He's talking about unbelievers, people that are not saved by grace, believing in God's Son. But those who deny him are not those that are saved. The Lord died, he saved us from our sins. And once you're born again, you can't be unborn. You know, Christ has died for us. We're in Christ, Christ is in us. We died with Christ. We cannot undie. We cannot undie. You cannot be unborn again. Last verse. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Now, since Christ cannot deny himself or disown himself, he cannot disown believers either. I'll give you an example. The apostle Peter, before he became an apostle, when he was Pete the fisherman, He denied Jesus ever knowing him three times, not just once. He denied Jesus three times, not just once. But did Jesus disown him? No, Jesus did not disown him, even though 
Peter denied him. And he'll never disown you. And he'll never deny you. Just as long as you are a true child of God. We are one with the Lord. His death was our death. And his life is our life. Not just in the future. But now. Now. We can experience the abundant life. Not just wait for it when we get to heaven. Amen? Amen. Well, let's just close in a word of prayer. Well, these are deep truths, Lord, and I hope it was clear enough to make us realize our position in Christ and where we stand and where you, how you see us in Christ, that the old man has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, but Christ who lives in us. Help us to focus upon that and not just our shortcomings and our sinful nature that still dwells in us. That old man was crucified on the cross. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We are now a new creation in Christ. Having believed you by faith and what you did, help us to have the attitude that these early church fathers had regardless of how much they suffered and endured they were willing to do it in order to sow the seeds of the gospel let us do what we can and give us the courage to share our testimony and what difference that you have made in our lives so they too can come to faith in Christ Jesus who's not willing that any should suffer, any should perish in hell, but all should come to repentance and be saved from their sins. And I hope you that are listening, whoever you may be, and watching, simply believe by faith that Jesus loved you enough, even though the things that you've done wrong the fact that you are a sinner proves the things that you do wrong, the things that you have done wrong, the things that you do wrong and the things that you will do wrong. These are all sins and Jesus died for your sins so you wouldn't have to pay the penalty. You wouldn't have to be punished for those sins. Simply believe, not because you think you're good, simply by believing in Jesus Christ by faith that he died for you on the cross that he was buried and he rose again he is alive and if you call upon his name to save you and that prayer, prayer was genuine believing he is Lord and that God raised him from the dead then you shall be saved and I hope and pray that you do that Amen all right, well, thank you very much for tuning in. I hope to see you again soon. God bless. Thank you again for tuning in. You can find our podcasts on Apple Podcasts and anywhere else you find podcasts. We'd love for you to join us at the First Baptist Church in Coleraine for Sunday morning worship at 11 a.m. We are located at 81 Foundry Village Road, Coleraine, Massachusetts. If you have any questions or inquiries, 
please feel free to call the church at 413-624-8886. Hope to see you soon. God bless.